As an industry, farming is unique. It's intensely seasonal. It's vulnerable to the environment. It needs precise timing and logistics for products to make it to market. And most importantly, farms are almost always in remote rural areas, literally off-road. Modern farms rely heavily on digital technologies, from monitoring and disease control to traceability and production quotas. But more than half of rural residents and farms in Canada don't have stable access to broadband. Canada has some of the lowest prices in the world for some of the highest quality food. To stay that way, we'll need major improvements to our digital infrastructure. What opportunities are out there to bridge the agriculture digital divide? How do spectrum prices in Canada play a role? And what happens when there are chronic digital disruptions to an industry we rely on, not only to trade, but to live? I'm Kira Johnston, and this is the fourth episode of Leveling Up, a mini-series about the digital divide from the Conference Board of Canada and TELUS. Our guest today is Dr. Helen Hambly, professor in the School of Environmental Design and Rural Development at the University of Guelph. And we're going to talk about farming's digital upgrade. Hi, Helen. Thank you for joining us and welcome to Leveling Up. Hi, Kira. Thanks so much for inviting me. How are technology needs changing for Canada's next generation of farmers? Agriculture is going through a revolution. It is really quite a crazy time in the industry for so many different reasons. But one of them is because of technology and digitization of normal agricultural practices. What we call a farm today is really facing tremendous advancements through science and changes in the global, national and local economies that affect the three things that make farming possible. That's land, labor and capital. So agriculture today is really about managing these inputs of land, labor, and capital very differently and using digital technology to help farmers not just make a profit as a business and stay in business, but also to interact differently with the environment around them and with the wider society. We also see, Kira, that the demographics of farmers are changing in Canada. Farmers are fewer. Farms are fewer. But the drop in the number of farms and farmers is actually offset by a larger amount of land coming into cultivation. Total number of farms is falling by about 6% between 2011 and 2016. But it's actually bringing 7% more land into cultivation. These larger farms and the consolidation of smaller farms is an aspect of the industry that also is looking at digital technology quite differently than it did in the past. Secondly, farmers themselves are different. The average age of farmers today is up to 55 years of age from 47 back at the beginning of the millennium or so. And we're also facing massive labor shortages in agriculture. In fact, these losses are creating a deficit of about $3 billion in lost sales annually. And that means about 125,000 jobs in that farm to food value chain could be vacant by 2030. Agriculture is looking for people. And they're not just looking for the traditional individual who was a farm worker out in the field. They're looking for highly skilled, digitally savvy workers. And then finally, capital's changing. Farms are using capital differently and they're making investment decisions to invest in robotics, 
in drones and sensors in the fields or in the barns or even on the animals. And they're becoming very dependent on mobile technology. We know that the digital technology opportunity in agriculture in Canada today is quite significant. We don't have a lot of research on this. When we look at the U.S. studies, we see that these types of digital precision technologies can actually reduce production costs by about $25 per acre and increase farm yields by 70%. This is going to be the objective up to about the mid part of this century. The objective is to really develop and use these technologies in a very smart, sustainable way and make sure that we have farmers who are good digital decision makers. In Canada today, we have a big gap between access to higher speed internet in the urban areas as compared to the rural areas, and also as compared to First Nation communities. 54% of rural users do not have access to high-speed internet. And high-speed internet in Canada is defined as a basic service of 50 megabits per second download and 10 megabits per second upload. And we call it the 5010. This 5010 threshold is not met by 54, more than half, of the rural residents and farms in Canada. In fact, this varies widely across Canada. In Ontario, we use a number of around 37%. And in some parts of the prairie provinces, it can be upwards of 60-70%. First Nations communities particularly disadvantaged, so they're well into the 60% in terms of access to connectivity. And as you may know, many First Nations communities are also agricultural producers. The scope of the problem is quite significant and has been significant for a very long time. What are the main differences between agricultural connectivity and rural connectivity? And do we need different standards for both? Rural and remote broadband has basically been like a blanket term for all the policy and projects to improve connectivity outside of an urban area. Rural and remote broadband, however, hasn't served agriculture very well, I would argue. Agricultural broadband may be very different from rural broadband solutions, policies, and investment decision-making. The Agricultural Producers Association of Saskatchewan, APAS, released a statement calling for an agricultural broadband strategy a couple years ago. And the COVID-19 pandemic has reinforced how critical it is to ensure that our agri-food systems are robust, sustainable, that there's no hiccups or disruptions to the food that we all rely on. Agricultural broadband strategies are overdue in Canada. There has been movement in the United States to address precision agriculture connectivity. Here in Canada, we have to start separating and teasing out agricultural broadband from rural broadband. Now, Kira, that doesn't mean that rural broadband is not relevant to agriculture and that the investments in rural broadband can't be fitted with the ag industry better. That's absolutely the case as well. It's just that we need a two-prong approach. We have to recognize that farms are businesses and not just rural residences, that there is a farm family that is absolutely essential to the farm business and to agricultural production and getting that food on our plates. We see agricultural broadband strategies and rural broadband strategies really fitting well together, making sure that we don't lose opportunities to address the very specific use case of agriculture. 
And some people would say, well, what is that specific use case? Farms are often located further away from rural settlement areas, so small towns and rural settlement areas. Farms are off of the road. They're more remote rural, if we could use that terminology. Farms are also increasingly multiple premises. Farm operations are also seasonal. In the winter, farms go into a very different type of activity than they do during the planting or the harvesting season. Digital technologies also have to take into account that during the cropping season, the use of data and the dependency on high throughput data may be very different than, say, in the winter months. And we don't have very many businesses that are as seasonal as agriculture, and we need a different kind of service strategy for these consumers. And finally, crisis. Crisis affects agriculture in ways as a primary industry that affects every Canadian. And we only have to look at the flooding in British Columbia this year to see the major disruption for dairy and for livestock and for crop producers as we look at digitization and broadband infrastructure investment. Helen, beyond broadband access itself, what other technologies can farm families benefit from? And what's the relationship between technology, timing, and distribution? Technologies on the farm are nothing new, but farms depend on supply chains for their inputs, but also to get their product to market. And technologies are needed to ensure that these supply chains are reliable. And so one of the toughest challenges is when a system like transportation is adversely affected and leaves farmers and producers struggling to get their products to market. We need to develop technologies that really ensure that the timing and distribution of product are optimized. That means that there could be opportunities for achieving other types of goals, like environmental sustainability. And I'll give you a great example. There's a technology out there that's really changing the way that farmers make decisions about how to get their livestock to market. And what they're looking for is an average daily weight gain metric. So they look at the weight gain of their livestock and they adjust the feed and what that feed is and they monitor the animal to make sure the animal's healthy and they keep an eye on it by weighing their animals. So in the past, just like we would get on a bathroom scale, the livestock are put through a scale. It's a fairly time-consuming, labor-intensive practice to some extent. And now farmers, through digital technology, have the ability to weigh their livestock within a 96% accuracy with the integration of 3D image cameras and RFID readers supported by computer software and technology, machine learning and artificial intelligence. And they can use these combination of technologies to monitor the animal's drinking and eating. It ensures that the animal's healthy for traceability of high quality food and food safety. Over time, these animals develop a little bit like a report card. And so farmers have a dashboard or an interface that's digitally connected to make sure that they can compare across different performance markers. This is a great example of how digital technology is changing agriculture. Just like we check our Fitbits to make sure that we might get our 10,000 steps in every day, farmers are checking the Fitbits of their animals and they're developing a lot of big data that they're using for management information systems that support the productivity, the efficiency, and ultimately the sustainability of their farming enterprise. That too opens up some opportunities for other companies along the agri-food value chain. 
not just telecom companies who are ensuring that connectivity is there at the farm level, but also other firms that are optimizing technology and data to meet farmers' needs. Canada's been recognized as advancing significantly in this kind of world-class agri-food innovation. What's the industry's perspective on Canada's wireless spectrum auction? Government right now is looking at repurposing the 3650 to 4200 megahertz frequencies. Currently, the spectrum auction has a lot of detailed questions around what can be reserved for what kind of operations and ensuring that communities that are still satellite dependent still have access to the services that they need. We're Agriculture and rural areas are concerned the spectrum auction is really important and spectrum has to be deployed to guidelines set out by Innovation Canada. I said these guidelines mean that 30% of the population must be served within five years and 70% within 20 years. And some of the agricultural and rural stakeholders have been saying that these long-term licenses of 20 years has not been able to enable them to take advantage of new opportunities and that could be achieved in a shorter period of time. But then government, of course, is looking to see a longer terms return on investment over that longer period. At the same time, we know that spectrum prices in Canada are among some of the highest in the world. I think it's assessed at something like four times higher the international average. These high spectrum costs result in a lower network investment and high consumer prices. My sense is that the Canadian wireless rates could be a lot more affordable to not just lower income households, but to rural users and agriculture if some of these systemic issues in the spectrum area were better addressed. We know that many who received licenses under the most recent auction have stated that they are serving rural areas, that there are regional set-aside procedures that they're addressing to ensure that agricultural areas of Canada will have access to the spectrum and to the wireless networks that they need. We are hearing that, but the big question is, who's going to be following it up? How do we know that those performance metrics will result in the outcomes of affordability and access These are some of the concerns that have been longstanding and they're continuing. And we have a unique opportunity right now to look at our spectrum policy and auctions through that lens of agriculture and rural use and ensure that it's evaluated effectively, that there's an accountability to this really important aspect of our economy. Going forward, that's the effort that needs to be done. There is a very small handful of researchers who are active in this area in Canada. That means we have to have the expertise within Canada as well to support this kind of research and innovation work. We certainly need to hear the voices of the farmers because they are very frustrated. Spectrum auctions of the past have not met their needs. Accounting to this crucial user group is absolutely important now. It's well overdue. You've touched on Canada's position in this space, so I'd like to expand on this. What role does greater connectivity for Canada's agriculture sector play in positioning us to compete internationally? Agriculture and agri-food are huge contributors to Canada's gross domestic product. They make up right now about 7.4% in 2020. That translates into about $140 billion. 
that is just signifying how important food production is in Canada for our national economy, but at the global stage as well. We are, for instance, the largest producers of lentils, one of the most important plant-based proteins in the world, eaten by billions of people on a daily basis. And when 54% of our rural areas are unconnected, we need to be concerned about the future of the global agricultural productivity that Canada is responsible for, and even an ethical responsibility to global food security. I've been involved at the global level in food security issues for decades now. We have a responsibility to ensuring that we use digital technologies to not just ensure that we're producing food for the world and maintaining our top position as a global food producer, but we're doing it in a sustainable manner. How do we do that in terms of ensuring that the ag sector really is positioned internationally? Well, it's investing in research and innovation. It's also ensuring that our farm organizations are healthy and strong, that there's a lot of capacity building so that they understand what's happening with digital technologies. All of these really complex technical issues, farmers and farm organizations are looking for greater understanding and engagement. And that will translate into Canada remaining strong at the global level and contributing to international issues like global food security. You've been studying these issues for a while. Helen, are you optimistic that we're moving in the right direction for agricultural and rural connectivity? So Kira, some important progress has been made in Canada in rural broadband, and that includes benefits to farm and the agri-food industries. With respecting to bridging the urban-rural-digital divide, and ensuring accessible, affordable, reliable, always-on, redundant broadband services. The pace is slow. The investments, like the Universal Broadband Fund, were accelerated, and this is extremely important. And then major disruptions like COVID-19 have disrupted supply chains of all of that equipment, all of that labor needed to build out better broadband. And we need to be learning and thinking forward so that the solutions that we come up with really are future-proofed around these kinds of disruptions. The old solutions can't be the way forward. We need new solutions. Going ahead with the idea of an agricultural broadband strategy, I think is really an important consideration and shouldn't just be words, but being put into action. It's certainly what the ag industry and farmers organizations are looking for. We also need improvements in rural connectivity when we're looking at such a large percentage of our rural communities not being connected to higher speed internet service. The organizations that support public-private partnerships, like the Canada Council for Public-Private Partnerships, they've been talking about this. So has the Council of Canadian Academies in their 2021 report on connectivity in Canada, so has the Canadian Chamber of Commerce, the Federation of Canadian Municipalities. All of the government agencies are past awareness on the rural broadband issue. And this is one of the really good things. This is one of the things that people like me hoped for back at the beginning of the millennium. Flash forward 15 years, I'm really pleased when I talk about my research in rural broadband, they go, oh yeah, I know there's an issue. Because Some years ago, a lot of people didn't know there was an issue. That's positive, but we've got to move from awareness to more in-depth understanding and concerted action. I was pleased after the last federal election 
that the Minister of Agriculture was given a mandate letter by the Prime Minister that included digital technology. But again, words. So where's the action? Where is the interministerial cooperation and interagency cooperation, for instance, between CRTC and the Ministry of Agriculture, between the Ministry of Agriculture and ISED? All of these ministries that are involved in agricultural broadband and rural broadband need to be interacting and building their capacity to address some of these policy issues that we've talked about today. The ag industry needs the skills and talents of a digitized industry. The skills and talents, the universities, University of Guelph, where I work, are implicated in this as well. The colleges have made tremendous progress in digital agriculture in Canada, but these institutions need to be supported to move forward to ensure that connectivity, digital infrastructure, and all the different applications in agriculture are well-researched, are engaged with farmers' input, that many groups across Canada are aware of the importance of the alliance between telecommunications and agriculture, and what it is, how it's evolving, what are the issues. As we move closer to this alliance between telecoms and agriculture, there's an interesting opportunity here to ensure that the voices of primary producers of food and the key managers of natural resources in Canada are listened to as telecommunication decisions are made. I would like to see more advisory groups, more meetings. We have a regular national rural broadband conference occurring in Canada all the time, like two or three events a year. This didn't exist in the past. So I am optimistic, but I'm cautiously optimistic in the sense that if we don't move more quickly, we will not meet these ambitious goals of connecting farms in Canada, and they cannot be connected at a threshold of 50, 10 megabits per second. We need a gigabit and higher level of service commitments to really move the agricultural and agri-food industry into the space it needs to be in the next generation. Dr. Helen Hambly, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you for joining us on the podcast. Thanks, Kira. And thanks to the Conference Board of Canada for making this possible. If you like what you hear, leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Let us know how we're doing. Leadership Perspectives is hosted by Kira Johnston and written by Sarah Mills. Our executive producer is Michael Bassett. And for more podcasts, research, commentary, and ideas, visit conferenceboard.ca.